Father, thank you for the great privilege to study your scripture and how it applies to um, the dad's life, the life that you've given us to live, the responsibility we have with our kids and with our wife. And I just pray that today, as we spend the next few minutes um, talking about your word and about how we initiate uh, with our families, um, Father, I pray that you would change us, that our hearts would be transformed um, by your word and by time together with other believers as we sharpen each other in this area. So we just give the time to you and ask that you would redeem it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, we're going to spend, the homework was around the whole idea of discipline, and we looked at a ton of passages in Proverbs on uh, discipline your kids. We're not going to get into the, not going to have time to get into the nitty gritty of disciplining your kids and what's appropriate at what age and all that kind of stuff. But there is a ton of stuff on Watermark Radio under the parenting channel that you can go to. And, and, and there are several messages that just talk about the nitty gritty of parenting. How that discipline works, what happens. There's some in the whole building blocks area. Trisha and I did a message a year or so ago in there for that. And then even the last class that we did in here, we spent a little more time uh, on the discipline side. So anyway, just wanted to mention those things to you. And then next week when we talk about kind of, as you can see, first week commit, week two lead, week three train, week four. This week John McGee is going to talk about initiate. And then next week uh, Dean and Mac McFarland are going to come. And we're just going to do kind of an interview about how they lived life together, uh, both as they were doing well together and they, they would call a little bit of a prodigal window that they had and how they responded to each other through that time. And you're going to hear that from the son's perspective as well as from the dad's perspective. And it was great last time we did that. And then we're also going to show Jay Burns, who leads our prodigal ministry, is going to share his. We did a video with him and he's going to share his story through video. That's a really powerful uh, deal. So that's going to happen next week. So let's jump in uh, if we can here and just look at a couple of passages uh, of Scripture around this whole idea of disciplining your kids, which is the homework. And then we're going to turn it over to John really quickly, and we're going to jump into the whole idea of initiation. But Proverbs 12.1 says, To learn, you must love discipline. It is stupid to hate correction. And so the Scripture just comes right out and says it. And as we talked about in week two, it is so important for our hearts as dads to be in the right place, okay, as we think about disciplining our kids. Okay, as we talk through all the conflict stuff we have, Lord of the Ring, all that kind of stuff around here, one of the first things that we do is we need to look at the log that's in our own eye. And this even, this, this transfers over to the discipline of our kids. And so are we people who want We'll, we'll, as, as dads, as leaders, are we people who respond well to discipline, to learn? If we want our kids to learn, if we want to learn, you must love discipline. It's stupid. It's just clear to hate this whole idea of correction. The next one said, if you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Same concept. And as it applies directly to your kids... Proverbs 12.1, or I'm sorry, um, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and in the end, he will not depart from it. Kind of the classic proverb around this whole idea of raising kids, and it's kind of an umbrella statement. And I just want to tell you something. First of all, this is not a guarantee. Okay, this is a principle 
in Scripture, but it does not guarantee you can do an awful lot of things right in your family and have a prodigal child. There's just no guarantees in this whole parenting business. But I will tell you, as a general rule, as a principle in Scripture, that if you will commit to raising your child the way God says to raise a child, your, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, your house is going to be characterized by peace and by blessing. So again, just a reminder to train up your child God's way. One of the things I want to do this morning before we turn it over to John is I just wanted to give you guys, we have, you know, when I, before we had kids, I was listening to Dr. Dobson on the radio one morning and he just, it was just so easy and clear. He'd just say, hey, if your kid crosses the line, there's consequences. And I just thought this parenting thing is going to be a breeze. And so this line, you know, little did I know, he didn't talk anything about the gray areas, right, that are about 10 miles long, and is it rebellion, is it ignorance, what is it, all those kind of things. And so I'm into this parenting thing, still am, with my teenagers, and the gray area just continues to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And what are some guidelines for how we handle the, those gray areas that it's just not rebellion, or maybe it's not too bad, but we still need to do something. It's just, it's just crazy. And so it's easy to say on the radio. It's also easy to put on a slide. It is not easy, right, to do it uh, with your kids. So I'm just going to give you the five things that the Kegler household, okay, that we just kind of we have got to line up on and drive home hard. There's a lot more, but we tend to be a little more gray, okay, in some of these areas, okay. But these things really, really matter, and especially when your kids are younger, as you're developing their hearts, these things matter a ton. So I will tell you, it takes a ton of work to be on the same page with your wife when you talk about disciplining your kids. A ton of work. Trisha, it's the biggest area of conflict right now for Trisha and I, is the whole idea of how important uh, discipline is around this. So we're in the whole area where my kids are both, both of my twins are pretty good students. Trisha was a high school science teacher. She was a very independent, I can do this on my own, paid for her college, all that kind of stuff. And so my, my, my girls, school's very important to my wife. And kind of, I kind of, what do we say? Kind of slid through school. Um, and so we're always talking about, I feel like she's pushing too hard at times for them to make great grades. And I'm kind of over here saying, hey, let them enjoy high school and friendships and social stuff. And I'd love for them to be at Shoreline on Sunday and small group on Wednesday and all that kind of stuff. And so we have this constant tension. And I feel like we handle it well, but there's a tension around this whole thing. And so it takes a ton of work for us to talk through our week. What are we going to have them do? What are we not? They've got a test on Thursday. Should they go Wednesday night? Kyle says, yes, I think they should. He's like, I don't think they should. And so just continue to walk and talk through that. So really important to be on the same page with your wife. Second thing, telling the truth is a huge deal at the Kegler household. My girls know that any type of deception, there is significant consequences for that. And so that is just a hill that we decided that we were going to die on long ago. And even now, there are things where they try to slide by and slip, and we just talk about, hey, that's deceptive. And so let's talk about what the appropriate consequences are for that. Third one, uh, always respect authority. This is huge. 
And so I know folks with preschool kids and trying to teach that and figure that out. Your kids are probably embarrassed you at the grocery store and all that kind of stuff. Stay the course on the respect authority thing. And I will tell you, as your kids get older, um, dads, this happens mostly around respecting mom. And so my girls know at our house that if you don't respect mom, if you pop off, if you roll your eyes, if you talk back, if you slam a door, if you do any of that kind of stuff, that that that's a foul. Right? And so we have tried to set up in our home, we haven't done it perfectly, but we have tried to set up in our home that you honor mom, okay, and dad no matter what. Now, we've taught them how to respectfully disagree. Okay, and so how, what words to use, how to communicate that. If you don't, if you disagree with mom and dad, let's have a conversation. But don't give us the attitude. Okay, you don't get to roll eyes, you don't get to slam doors, you don't get to raise your voice, you don't get to do any of that kind of stuff. Let's have a respectful conversation. And then, after we've gone back and forth and talked about it, a lot of times the answer is still the same. You need to learn how to hmm, swallow with a decent face and walk away, right, respectfully. Okay, um, four, big thing in the Kegler household, three teenage girls in my house. Don't whine, communicate. Okay, and so we talk a ton about, uh uh-uh. Don't whine, don't nag, don't do any of that kind of stuff. If you want to have a conversation, come have a conversation. But don't whine about things. Let's talk adult to adult as you guys are moving that way. And let's talk about it. Let's talk about the goods and the bads and the positives and the negatives and why you're feeling that way. And you can cry. That's okay. Okay? That's just fine. But let's not try to have a conversation in the middle of you losing it. Okay? Let's just wait till everybody calms down and we can have a conversation. So that, that I will say, so Trisha looked at that last night. We were talking about it. And she goes... That's not ours. That's yours. (laughs) And then then the last one in our place is just, and this is huge in our culture, especially in Dallas, you are not entitled. And we hear that all the time. I mean, we were last on the block, or last in school, probably with the cell phones and all that kind of stuff. And we just, it's not, you hear everything, right? It's not fair. Everybody else has it. Here's all that kind of stuff. And I just want to tell you, as you guys think, our kids are not entitled to everything else that our, that our culture says they can have. Now, they may, a cell phone may be the exact right thing for your kids. But have that conversation. Continue to remind them that, hey, you are in the one-tenth of one percent of wealth in the world. And we talk all the time with our girls is, hey, we are privileged, we are blessed. God's given us this money. It belongs to Him. But 99.9% of the world doesn't have this. And so let me tell you guys how you fix number five. You get your kids out of North Dallas. I don't care how you do it. I don't care if you go to West Dallas. I don't care if you go to South Dallas. I don't care if you go to Haiti. I don't care if you go to Africa. I don't care if you go to Mexico. But get your kids out of North Dallas. So as we were developing this class and thinking about this class, I just kind of went through and I just thought, okay, who is it that can speak to kind of these principles? Who can talk about leading and committing and who can talk about training their kids? And so we had um, Todd come in last week. And then when I thought about this whole idea of initiating with our kids, I mean, one name jumped 
um, to the top of my head and really never considered anybody else. And that's because John McGee, with his four kids, and he'll show you a picture here in a minute, does an incredible job. He will tell you he's not perfect at it, okay, but does an incredible job of initiating with his family. And so he has got some things that he's going to share with with y'all about how he pushes through this whole idea of passivity that all of us as dads really struggle with. We get home at the end of the day, we're dead tired, we've given our best energy to other people and all that kind of stuff, and and we don't push through and initiate with our kids. And John has got some kind of antidotes that have been really helpful for him, that have been really helpful for me as well, and then just some great ideas about how to love your kids. So, John, come up and talk to him about how you initiate with your family. Thanks, bro. Kyle's, uh, Kyle's kids are older than mine, and so it's been really fun uh, through the years to go over to Kyle's house and watch his uh, little girls run around and, and just kind of benchmark from him and be able to learn about what it's going to look like in the next stage. And so Kyle learned a ton uh, from you. Kyle's my boss, and so we talk a lot about ministry, but we also get to talk a lot about family, and it's been really, uh, really, really rich just to be kind of in your wake. So, hey, today uh, I want to talk about how to initiate with our families. And so my role here on staff at Watermark, and what it has been for the last nine years, is the director of marriage ministry. Nine years. I can't believe that I've been doing it that long. So with, with this role, I get to peer into a lot of marriages, a lot of families. And like anything, my job, so much of it is just pattern recognition. Some of you guys are in real estate, and you just know how to spot a good deal. Some of you guys are, are you, know, you, you trade stocks, and you know when things are setting up either to go well or to go, to go poorly. It's just pattern recognition. And as I think about patterns in families, patterns for men as they lead their families, lead their wives, over and over and over again, the number one thing that guys deal with, struggle with, the thing that takes down families, the thing that, that, that keeps, uh, you know, kids from experiencing blessing um, is passivity. Passivity uh, is the thing that I would say is the biggest killer uh, to marriages in this church. Uh, we all know that fights and quarrels, James 1 said, or James 4 says, they, the reason we fight and, and quarrel with our, with our wives, uh, the reason why um, we, we aren't who we should be, is because we're selfish. Okay, and a lot of times we think about selfish being a very active, uh, very active things. And so raising our voice or fighting for our own way. And I will tell you that really I see, the way I see selfishness play out more oftentimes in men in this church and really in my own life is just passivity. And just not doing anything. It's not what we do. It's what we don't do. And I will tell you that really, that really has been the pattern that I've recognized. Last night was re-engage in here. Uh, 300 folks working on their marriage. And I will tell you that most of the men struggle with Passivity, right? Some of them are yelling at their wives. Some of them are doing some some really uh, some really boneheaded things. But many of them struggle with uh, passivity. Okay, uh, and so I wanted to talk about where did, where did that come from? And we'll start right out of the shoot and go to scripture. This is my this is my clan. Uh, oldest is is twelve now. Dawson is twelve. Madison is ten. Uh, Emerson is uh, I'm sorry. Hudson is eight, and Emerson is six. Six and so uh, we are just just as, just so you know we don't have a teenager yet so everything I'm going to say is unproven uh, I'll come back up here I'll come back up here in a few few years and repent that I put something on you guys uh, so there you go okay um, right out of the shoot Genesis uh, chapter three you guys you guys know this account so. Uh, when the woman uh, saw that the fruit of the tree was good uh, for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took, took it, uh, some of it and ate it. Right? So we know she, the reason she knew this was a bad idea, Adam must have told her. So she took it and gave some to her husband who was with her, 
and ate it. Okay? So you don't have to, you don't have to have watched a hundred episodes of, of CSI to understand this, this whole deal and how it went down. Eve knew what she wasn't supposed to do. She took, she took a bite. And what did she do with it right after that? She turned and gave it to her husband who was with her. So you get this picture. Adam is right there. And he did nothing. Right? He wasn't the one that initiated <clears throat> the sin, but his sin was that he didn't do anything. And so this thing normally gets rolled up around Eve's neck. You know, we always talk about all the ills in the world and sin nature, and we just kind of make Eve, Eve a scapegoat. But here, here's what is really fascinating. If you flip over to Romans 12, Romans 12, or, I'm sorry, Romans 5, verse 12. Um, First, first Timothy one, or first Timothy will talk about uh, Eve being the first. It, it's reiterated in the New Testament. She was the one that was deceived. But this, this is what's fascinating. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, therefore, just as sin has entered the world through one man. And so that Romans 12 or Romans 5 is the federal headship uh, argument so that uh, sin could come through one man. Good news is uh, one perfect man could pay for the sins uh, for the world. It's, incre- it's an incredible passage. But, but that, um, that's a sobering, sobering verse for many reasons, but primarily because God has held, I think, Adam responsible for the sin of the world. His sin was that he didn't do anything, Right? It's his sin was what he didn't do. And that is passivity. And we are all sons of Adam. I am a son uh, of Adam. And my biggest sin struggle is to do nothing. And it costs, just as it cost uh, Eve uh, and Adam, uh, the, the garden, it costs it cost my family lots. We miss out on a lot of the blessing that God would have for us because I do nothing. And I would say the same is, is true for you. Okay? It's the passivity um, that keeps us from initiating and experiencing the things that God would have us uh, in our marriages. Okay, so uh, as, as Kyle said, that, I, I mean, I know that theologically, I understand that, that motivates me. Um, but I will tell you something that really, really helped me a few years ago was I read a book by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. It was just a, a really surprising read uh, to me. Decidedly non-Christian uh, book. He's the guy that wrote Bagger Vance and um, and a couple others. You know, that he writes for a living. And so in this, uh, it's, not, it's not a book, of, it's not a fictional book, it's a book about really the creative process and how he has to go to absolute war every day to write. And he talk, he's got this, you know, this process, he goes in, he puts on this red-headed sweatshirt and he blocks out the whole world and he just sits down, he bolts his butt to the seat and just writes and talks about how an ab, what an absolute fight that is every single day for him to do that. And he, he calls it resistance, is the thing that keeps him from wanting to do the thing that he wants to do. And he personifies it, um, it's, a, it's like a, a force in his life that he has got to do absolute battle with. And I thought, you know, as I read that, I go, this guy, as a writer, is dealing more with you know, passivity or resistance uh, th- than I am. He's not, he's not a believer, but he is pushing through passivity in ways that, that I need to learn from. And so I began to kind of, as Kyle talked about, just kind of personify passivity. Passivity was an idea uh, that came out of Scripture. And then once it became like a, uh, once I made it a force and saw it something that I've got to fight through uh, and kind of punch in the mouth, it really, it really was a turning point. Uh, in, in my family. And so, you know, at, at times I've, I've thought about him, I've thought about passivity as, you know, a guy 
uh, and, a, and a wife beater shirt who lives in a trailer park, and he just wants me to be amazingly average, come home and sit on the couch and watch Sports Center. Um, he doesn't want me to tuck my kids in at night. He doesn't want me to get up early and, and run in the morning. You know, sometimes I'll, the alarm will go off, and I'll just I'll picture him just kind of standing there, uh, just saying, "Hey, dude, just like lay down, man. You're, you're good. You know, look like me." And uh, and and I, and I've I literally, I've, no kidding, I've thought I've I've got to stand up and punch him in the mouth, or he's going to win. You know, and so I just throw the covers off poof, and put on my running shoes before I can think about it. And come, you know, I picture him standing outside my kids uh, my kids' rooms before I, I tuck him in, and he's just going, "Hey, you're good, man." You done your, you've done your, you know, your day's work, and uh, now, now it's your time. And I just go, man, I've, I've got to take this guy down. I've got to push through my passivity. And so that, that, that image really helped me for a while. And recently, I've been thinking about a, a countdown timer with my kids, knowing, just as Todd talked about, my kids will be in, you know, in that car driving off to college in no time. In no time. And so, you know, this week my, my, my youngest daughter wanted to jump on the trampoline, and I, I did not want to jump on the trampoline. And I just pictured over her head a little countdown timer just going in reverse and going, dude, you, you will, she will not be calling you uh, in, in five years to jump on the trampoline. You're going you're gonna to be trying to call her and find any time you can get. And she's asking you to jump on the, on the trampoline. Time is ticking. And I'm highly motivated when I'm going to lose something that I, that I have, right? If, it's, if, if I've got an abundant supply of it, I'm not as motivated. When there's a scarcity of something, it, it motivates me. And I, I've just seen that over and over again. And you've used that. Anytime I, don't, I know what, what's right, I, I've been really focusing in on how I'm going to lose the opportunity to do that. And that's, it's been really, really helpful, if that's, if that's helpful to you. Just this countdown timer of uh, it's seconds, it's minutes, it's days, it's years, and these, it will be over. And our kids are off to college, and we're wondering uh, what they're doing in their dorm rooms. And so we've got an opportunity now, and we've got to take advantage of it. We've got to push through passivity. We've got to push through resistance and initiate with our kids. Okay, so just a few other thoughts real quick just have been helpful for me. For me. Uh, number one, when it comes to planning and executing and things like that, make it your idea. And I will just tell you, you guys are probably no different than me. If it's my idea, I'm much more likely to execute uh, on it. And so if I can generate an idea for the weekend, if I can generate an idea to disciple my kids, I will, I will be much more apt to follow through. And I, I remember asking Pam last year, I said, do you struggle with that? You know, like only wanting to really give energy to your ideas? She goes, not, not like you do. <laughs> She said, she said it was great. She goes, you know what? I, I don't even care if it's the best idea. If you're going to lead our family and you're going to initiate, it's your idea and you're, you're fired up about it, let's do that. And so uh, as, long, as long as I am, Pam's generally okay uh, that, that I'm driving that. Okay? But I know, my, I know myself, just leading myself as my idea, I will execute on it. Number two is capitalize on creativity. And I don't know about you, but, but creativity and, and initiative kind of come and burst for me. And there's sometimes I feel like as a dad, I'm running downhill with the wind to my back. And I, I have got just ideas and vision, uh, conversations I want to have. And I've learned about myself. If I don't take action right then, uh, I might not feel like it tomorrow. Right? So it's spring. I'm think, I just, you know, uh, the weather's turning. I'm thinking about the summer. And I go, it would be great to do this this summer, uh, which is multiple, multiple weeks away. And if I don't do something right then, and when, when, those, when those days get here, I won't feel like it. Okay, So when you feel those bursts, when you have a vision, when you write down an idea, set up, a, set up an event, uh, and you, want to, you, you feel like you want to, leverage that. And then lastly, I would just say is manage your energy. Manage your energy. It is really hard to initiate with your kids um, if you stay up too late. 
if you don't eat right, if you don't exercise, or you've given your best energy away somewhere else. And so you can be spiritual, you can memorize all the verses you need to, but if you don't manage your energy, I think it's going to be really difficult uh, for you to initiate that. that there's been times like that in my, uh, in my leadership of my home. Everything else was, was great. I just didn't have enough gas in the tank uh, late, late in the afternoon, in the evening, to really, really, truly engage with my kids. And so manage your energy. Okay? So what I want to talk about now um, is four, four gauges. I want to give you four gauges as I think about kind of leading my family uh, and areas that, to initiate. I, I'm, the way I visualize this is just kind of think about a dashboard. And I wonder where the needle sits on all four uh, of these categories. Okay? And so the first one that we want to talk about is just kind of fun, initiating and fun. And, and I will tell you, uh, the second one's going to be friendship. And I will tell you that these first two, fun and friendship, are not part of the Deuteronomy 6 mandate. They're not. But these are the table stakes I think we, we have to pay in order to play, play the Deuteronomy 6 game. And so if all we do is disciple our kids and, and sit down and have you know, a mini seminary class at our house and don't, don't initiate uh, fun and friendship with our kids, then, uh, then we're just some schoolroom teachers. Okay? And I've really come to see the value uh, of this. And so I, I want to talk just for a second um, about fun and friendship and, and let you know that um, as Kyle said, we're going to go through some here, do this kind of stuff, you know, and um, know that it's just not perfect at the McGee house, right? And I, if you want a story, I'll give you one. Two weeks ago, uh, we sit down to do kind of family worship. We're trying to do this. Pam sits down at the piano, uh, cue, um, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. All the kids are sitting around, you know, and we're, we're singing. What we're going to do after that is talk about uh, just kind of sibling rivalry and just getting along as a family. We're reading a book together, right? So I'm kind of like Clark Griswold. I've just always got these grand ideas, you know, and 10,000 imported uh, lights that are, that are supposed to blink, and if they're not blinking, I'm all bent out of shape. Like, that's how I get. And so we're sitting down, we're singing. It's going to be a great moment. They're going to write books about me, you know, uh, at any moment. <laughs> These guys are going to find out just how awesome of a dad I am. And I look over on the couch, and my two oldest kids are kicking each other. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. I mean, I, I, I just feel the veins sticking out in my neck. and just go, you guys, you're killing me. You know, I, I didn't yell and scream. I wanted... I, I was undone. Like Clark Griswold and me just had his, his moment shattered, and I just said, Hey, guys, uh, ten minutes, man. Let's go to our bed. And uh, everybody, except the littlest one, which never is the case, she was innocent. Um, and so uh, I said, you guys go. Uh, man, this was not our best moment. We're going to come back in 10 minutes and try, to, try this again. <laughs> as much as anything, I just needed to just calm down. Because um, I, <laughs> I was about to let somebody... Ha- right? It's not good to uh, you know, scream and yell at your kids during the middle of... Uh, uh, family worship or ring them by the neck, but that's where I was headed. So, okay, so just so you know, um, it's not, it's not perfect. I'm, we're trying really hard, but it is not, not perfect, okay? Um, so, so fun. All it takes generally, guys, is a little bit of planning to have some fun with your kids, okay? Or, or just, just putting this on your radar. And I'm not, I'm just not naturally, um, a, you know, life of the party kind of guy. Kegler, you know, wherever he is, the party is there. Wagner, you heard, um, you know, just always has got these creative ideas with the kids. I've, I've kind of got to work at it. And so I can make excuses and say, that's just not my deal. Um, or I can really push through and, and try to initiate fun. So just some fun things I was thinking about. One is when my kids were little, 
um, we had a, a little a little book that had everything to kind of to do in Dallas. And so a great way to serve your wives, guys, especially when you have little ones, she's, she's kind of worn out from the week, is for you to take the weekend and say, I've got this. And so we would grab, we'd go by every Saturday, we'd get donuts, and we'd take that little book, and we'd, we'd just go knock out basically every park in Dallas we had been to. We drove sometimes 45 minutes to see a great park and just let the kids uh, run, run wild, and we'd rate them afterwards what was great about this park. And uh, we'd just see a lot of... Off the, off the beaten path kind of stuff. We would also hit guidelive.com. We'll always tell you what's going on uh, a lot of times for free in Dallas. And so I would just kind of plan the weekend out. And so when our kids were little, uh, they would ask, what day is it, what day is it, what day is it, what day is it? And they would, they would want to know when the weekend was because to them, Saturday was, uh, was fun time. And they were going to get to be with that, and they, uh, they loved having, having fun. And so uh, that's something you could do. I, I was thinking about this with our little kids um, we used to do barbarian night, and our kids would still do it. But there was no forks, no spoons, no knives. And we just put it down and just could have at it, right? Because you're, you're trying to teach your kids manager, manners, and you're always kind of at them a little bit. And just to have a little bit of a kind of a pressure release uh, sometimes, they, they love it. And I think the messier, the better. And so we would have spaghetti uh, sometimes, you know, and have bar- bar- and it, it was a disaster, you know. But they would help. They would help clean up, and that was so much fun. Uh, to them, rather than you know nipping at them all the time about their utensils and manners and things like that, uh, competitions have been a, a blast around our house. And you could take any board game, you can take any anything under the sun and make it a competition. And we went through a phase where we took Disney Seen It um, and just did the party play on that, and we would play for stakes each night: uh, who's going to do the dishes, or who gets to pick dessert, or who uh, who gets to plan where we go and eat this weekend, or anything like that. And we would play. Um, first to ten, and, you know, the whole family around around the TV, uh, and we ha- we just had a ton of fun. And so uh, I'll, I'll keep moving. Uh, I mean, there's several I want to give you. Here's here's one. Pam, last year, Pam sprung each of the kids from schools uh, at different times, and would just go out and watch a movie, uh, hang out, and, and have fun uh, with them. And so I would say, um, never let school get in the way of your kids' education. And, <laughs> And our kids, they they still. T- I remember mom like snuck us out of school. That was awesome, and uh, and and it was you know they they, they will still talk about some of those uh, some of those fun things. They won't remember some of the things that Pam talked about. They'll remember, hey, mom carved off a day and just wanted to spend uh, spend time with him. Okay, but there's lots of other things. Uh, you know what? I'm developing like a a multi-page document. If you want some different ideas, um, I've got some. I just can't possibly go through them all. Uh, if you'll email me, I'll I'll shoot you. Uh, I'll shoot you a doc with just some, some different uh, ideas. Jay McGee at watermark.org. Uh, okay? So this is really fascinating. I asked David Peniel a few, a few weeks ago, a few um, months ago, I said, hey, what are characteristics of families, uh, or, I'm sorry, of kids who go off to college and do really well? And they, they don't give up their faith, they're leaders, all those kind of things. And he thought for a second, I, I assumed it was going to be you know, these big spiritual um, kind of you know, bullet points for me. And he said, you know what it is? It's the families that have fun together. And he said, when kids view mom and dad uh, as fun, they listen to the message that they have, and they go off to college, and they live out the values that mom and dad had. And I was like, really? That's, what, that's the pattern you've recognized? He goes, yeah. I mean, that, that motivated me. I didn't think as a Christian dad a lot about the category of fun. I think about it a lot now. Okay? Uh, so that's fun. The second one is friendship. Um, I would say, guys, we need to date our kids. 
uh, spend time with them as, as much as possible. Uh, one-on-one, especially when there's four. Uh, love to go. Uh, there's a 7-Eleven that's about uh, three-quarters of a mile from our house, and uh, I, I'll just take them one, one at a time. We'll walk down there. We'll get a Slurpee, uh, ask them about how, what's going on at school. We, we laugh. We talk, and they know that's the time just to kind of open up. Um, the Magnolia Hotel, free milk and cookies uh, from 8 to 10 downstairs, uh, down, downtown. And so you can just take a kid and a deck of cards, go get you some free cookies. I, Act like you're paying big bucks, uh, you know. To be, but I actually pay him calls. She goes, "Is that okay? We're just walking off the street." And they're like, "Come on!" So uh, I'll see you there next week. We'll uh, we'll uh, we'll raid the place. Um, but I took my daughter there uh, a couple weeks ago, and she we had a great time. Um, just fun, anything fun uh, that you can do that you would want to do with a friend. Last year, I got to go to the ALCS. Um, with my son, and we made a great memory as uh, as friends. And I wrote him a note, put it in his lunchbox. Hey, buddy, I got tickets to the game. You want to go? And he came home. He was so fired up, and we went, and uh, we did it upright. And just just to be able to experience that with him, um, at game six against the Yankees, and we won. Uh, and the play it was just pandemonium. And and we went out and we went out in the parking lot, and the people were still celebrating, high fiving. And he's stood up through the sunroof and was just screaming and yelling like, you know, all the other drunk idiots that were out there, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and we still talk about that as friends. And, and I would say, too, like, if you can memorialize those different events, uh, what I've started doing, I wish I'd done this initially, was just keep every ticket stub that you take your kids to, whether a sporting event or movies or um, you know, any, any plays or anything like that. Just write down any funny memories. You know, uh, Adam Tarno talked about the time uh, he went to he went to a basketball game with his dad, and Charles Barkley just cussed out the ref, and he was right there. He's a I still remember that. It was the greatest day ever uh, with my dad. <laughs> and so you write that. You know, Bark. Uh, you know, Charles Bar- Charles Barkley uh, cussing at the refs, and so. Um, and, you know, this year I asked my kids, as, uh, just to relate to them as friends anyway, I asked them just to pray. It was a few weeks ago. I asked them just to pray for me. My dad died uh, this summer. And about three weeks ago, man, it felt like the cord would just unplug from the socket. And I just, my energy levels, everything just, I was just zapped. And I just said, hey, you know, your dad's fine. Um, but, but just as a friend, would you, would you pray for me? And Dad's committing to reading his Bible and eating well and sleeping well and working out. I'm gonna, there's no sin that I know of. I, mean, I just need you guys to pray for me. And so just as a, as a family, we, just, we sat around and they're like, yeah, we, we love to do that. And uh, you know, today, today's been a great day. Last week has been great. Uh, but that's what friends do. They bring them in uh, and let them not only rejoice, but also, uh, also know what's going on. So always, always in age-appropriate ways. Um, Corey Ten Boom, uh, in that book, you know, her dad gives her an illustration of a, of a big bag of clock parts. And he says, you're just not ready to hold that yet. It's too heavy for you. So there, there needs to be age-appropriate things. I wouldn't dump everything that's heavy in your world uh, on your kids. But I think you could know whenever there's high tide seasons or, or things that you can celebrate or they can pray for you, let them in as friends, uh, as, as you would want any of your friends to do. Okay? So fun, friendship. Um, and then the next two are spontaneous uh, discipleship. Man, we're I'm dying on time here. Um, I thought it was funny when it was Wagner up here last time. It's not so funny. Not so funny now. 
um, spontaneous discipleship. Just make the most of every opportunity. Wax talked a lot about this uh, last week, and so I didn't feel a need to. But uh, conflict is a great opportunity just to take advantage. It's not scripted, and you can take advantage of it and really disciple your kids. A couple years ago, uh, one, of, one of my kids was on the playground, and there all the boys are experimenting with uh, you know, cuss words. And so I uh, kind of over dinner heard about this, and... And I was good, great. What, what did you hear? We talked about all that. Did you say anything? Well, I said this one word. What was it? You know, so on a scale of one to ten, it was very unexciting. I was like, is that it? Like, you weren't even trying, man. You know, if you're going to cuss, cuss. Uh, and so, he, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't a big deal. And I said, okay, pal, you know what? You have a leadership trust with your friends and with the, the dads that you know of the, who, who was there. And we, we knew all the dads. I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to pick up the phone. And, uh, and so he, you know, I, I told him I would go, and he goes, I've got this. And he called each dad and asked their forgiveness um, for just not being a good influence on their son, and then called, uh, called their son and said, I need to apologize for what, what I said and apologize uh, for not stopping uh, what we were doing and ask your forgiveness. I wouldn't be a good friend. I don't want to be a good friend to you. And so that was it. We, we let, I told him I'd, I'd swing back to the dads. That was his responsibility. And so our phone rang a little bit, you know, afterwards. Uh, so happens we need to ask your forgiveness. There was a couple of guys. It was lost on some. It didn't matter. But I just, that was a great opportunity for my son to say, hey, as men, we will fail. We will. But we're going to take responsibility for our failure. We're not going to pretend like it's okay. We're not going to sweep it under the rug. It was a great discipleship moment. Uh, there's great opportunities to teach your kids about grace and mercy, how to forgive, how to, how to be kind. Um, just take advantage of those, okay, all the time. Last, last one is intentional discipleship. And this one is one that takes time uh, sometimes. In the morning, uh, I know Todd does Proverbs in the morning. Uh, last year, two years ago, we did the, the Seeds of Worship CD. They have like 15 scripture memory songs. One would sit in the front seat and they would just go fast forward uh, through the tracks. Somebody in the back would sell, yell, stop. We listened to whatever track that was and we'd talk about it, right? Which is much different than, hey kids, we're going to talk about this verse and uh, roll in their eyes. It was a game, it was fun, and we'd talk about, uh, we'd talk about that. Um, each summer we memorize a passage of scripture and have a reward trip. Uh, all you got to do is pick, you don't have to have the reward when you, um, when you start that. But last year we memorized, uh, this summer we memorized James 1 as a family and we went to uh, Great Wolf Lodge. So uh, a month out we just kind of threw some stuff out on Craigslist and raised the, raised the cash. Didn't even cost us anything. Had a great memory. Kids did a good job. I took some moleskins and just put, uh, put the passages of Scripture in there and let them write down prayers or, or questions or thoughts uh, on that. Gave them each a moleskin. Broke them down in the verses into sections of like uh, five verses. And so we, they, even, our, even our six-year-old uh, was able to, to memorize uh, James 1. And so you can think about just intentional things. Kyle talked about uh, mission trips. Anytime you see an email, there was a guy... Uh, last year, who wrote a who wrote a um, a journey article, joined the journey article, and he had lied about who he was and what he had done uh, when he lived in another town. And so then he wrote a secondary um, journey entry to talk about that, and that was gold. Printed that thing off, and brought it home. That's what we talked about uh, at dinner. So have a plan in, in in the morning. Have a plan at dinner, um, and have a plan just on some of the biggies. And so Kyle asked me to talk about this one for a second. Um, uh, my oldest is 12, and, and we just did uh, a thing called Passport to Purity. And I would highly recommend those of you guys that have 11 or 12-year-olds that you do this. And if you, if you miss the window, uh, pick it up, figure it out. Those of you guys that are coming into that, uh, I, I really want to put this on your radar. So uh, 
five CDs, a little notebook. Um, topics are just kind of putting God first in all things. Um, friendship, uh, what it looks like you know, to kind of be a good friend. Um, sex, impurity, peer pressure, and dating. Okay? So you listen to the CD, then, you, then they fill out some, uh, some blanks, and you talk about it. And so Dawson and I um, went down uh, to Houston. I just kind of made, made a weekend out of it. Uh, Pam and I wrote him some notes. A lot of this is like, you can do this, guys. It's, it's very, very well set up for you. Uh, Pam and I wrote him some notes, just some things we were uh, thinking about. Uh, I got a flip cam. This isn't part of it, but I got a flip cam and just interviewed uh, different guys. Went his, straight up his spiritual upline from his uh, small group leader all the way to the senior pastor and then different men um, in our community. I think we brought one of them uh, real fast. So glad that you are getting some time alone with your dad just to talk about the stuff that really matters. And there's a couple of things that I just want to say to you. And number one is you are one of the kids around this place that I love to see. Uh, that just makes me smile, giving me high fives. And you are just a guy that I really care about and deeply love. And so I just want you to know that. The second thing I want you to know is in some of the times we've been together, whether that's baseball practice or around church or whatever, you are a guy that's got a servant's heart. I know both times at practice you were the first one to say, hey, these other guys can go first. And so so all these men, would they spent some time encouraging Dawson, pointing out some things they had seen in his life, and then giving him a challenge uh, towards purity. And he was hounding me all weekend. Hey, Dad, do you have any more videos? Do you have any more videos? And so uh, that's how we'd start each session. And then we'd talk about uh, all the things that we'd talk about. And we had fantastic conversations. We talked about, um, you know, pornography. We talked about masturbation. And we talked about, uh, we talked about wet dreams, right? And so your little boys need to hear from you uh, what that is. And so we talked about it. And, uh, you know, and I said, hey, pal, here's, here's how this is going to go down. When, when you have them. I know about them. Mom knows about them. There's nothing, nothing dirty, nothing wrong. It, it's just, it's just going to happen. So throw your shorts in the washing machine. Mom knows all about it. It's cool. She needs, if you need to change your sheets, let her know. Okay. She knows, she knows all about this and it, it will not be a big deal. Okay. And so, okay, great. Takes, there's no, there, there's no stigma uh, there with that. Same thing with masturbation. You're not going to, I'm not going to bust your chops, man. I'm going to, I want to help you. And I want to, I want to help you walk through this and think through what it looks like to honor God. Okay. And we were able to talk through all those things. So we went down, uh, had those conversations, w- went to a ball game and watched uh, the Brewers take batting practice against the Astros. <laughs> uh, they just shelled them ni- out of nine one real surprise. Um, and we just we got to see that ballpark, which he'd never seen, which was a ton of fun. Came back, went to, went to lunch with Pam. And I had Dawson just kind of share with Pam everything that he had learned uh, that weekend just to bring her into the conversation. Then had Pam um, tell Dawson, and I was like, hey, tell him what he needs to know about adolescent girls. And she talked about how to protect them adolescent girls, uh, how, how to just be a really good friend, and then how to watch out <laughs> for some of them, and what, what were the characteristics of some of these girls that you need to look out for, and we had a fantastic conversation, memorialized it, just kind of gave them a little Swiss Army knife that was, you know, one of the, one of the ones that was halfway thick and told them, hey, pal, when I was your age, uh, I saved up for the, about the fattest Swiss Army knife uh, I could find, and I remember just going, I'm not going to buy it yet, because I really need the 12-inch ruler and fish scaler. Uh, right? As if you're going to measure a fish that's 12 inches, you know. Uh, and, and I said, I never used any of that stuff. It only got in the way. 
So I know Swiss Army knives. I'm telling you, this is the stuff that you will use. You can trust me, and you can trust your mom. We've also been, we've also been adolescents. We've moved through the teenage years, and I, I can tell you what's going to get in the way, and I can tell you what's going to bless you. And I'm really, really looking forward uh, to this journey with you. And let's keep the communication lines open, okay? Um, so that's, again, there's lots more we can talk about. But I think if we'll put those four, those four things uh, on our dashboard, uh, fun, um, uh, friendship, spontaneous discipleship and intentional discipleship. And just ask, God, where's, where's the needle right, right uh, on each of those today? Which ones do I need to move? Uh, what, what can I do? I think that will really motivate us, okay? Man, time is short. I did my dad's funeral this week, or this summer, and found out uh, just how great he was, right? And uh, so much of the stuff he had done, I didn't know about it. It was like the secret life of kindness came out. It was unbelievable. He'd paid for people to go to college, and he'd served people in ways I had no no idea. And so the true greatness in my dad kind of came out um, this year. And so you, who you are over time is going to become increasingly clear to your, to your kids, to your sons and daughters. We've all got them a little bit fooled now. We're in the one-up position over time. Uh, it, it will come out, right? So your kids, when they're asked about you as they get older, they will, this is what they will say. My dad was a great guy, but... And here, here will come uh, what's after that, okay? So as we... It's good for us to know what, what is uh, our but. Because as we get older, I think our butts are going to get exposed uh, with our kids, right? And it's, not, and it's, it's going to be a lot shorter than we think. And so whatever it is for you as a man to lead your kids, to lead your wife. We haven't talked about that. If your marriage is in a, not in a great place, the most, uh, the most important thing you could do for your kids right now is to love their mom. Uh, I invite you to re-engage or any, any of the things we have at our church. You've got to work on your, uh, on your marriage relationship and lead out of that. Uh, whatever, whatever it is for you guys to take the next step, I really encourage you to do so. Um, time is short. Let's get after it. It is short. Kyle, why don't you come up and, and close us out? Just to kind of wrap up, you guys can see every single week there, there's a there's this river running through every one of this, these weeks, and it's a thing called self-leadership, is that before we can do a good job of leading wife, leading kids, we have got to lead ourselves. And so that theme just continues to run. So keep processing, keep thinking about all of that. Um, we are Our commitment each week is to try to get you 30 to 35 minutes in small groups. You just need to know that's hard for us. It's tenuous because we love the stuff that's going up going on up here, but we love what's taking uh, place in small groups. So we're, we're working hard to try to get you a lot of time, 30, at least 30 minutes in small groups. So we didn't do great last week. We want to get you out here in just a second. So two last things. Um, number one, your homework for this week or your to-do this week is to plan one of those daddy date nights. Okay, with your kids. Just spontaneous is great, but just figure out what you can do this week with one of your kids and go on a date and come back next week ready to talk about that in small group. Was it a disaster? No problem. Love the initiation, right? Was it great? Terrific. Let's talk about that. But just start with one thing. Again, speakers get up here and they talk about all the things that they're doing. It's easy to get overwhelmed. One thing. Just do, just start with one thing is the way to go. Also, in your notebooks, uh, John's got some material uh, just kind of built around milestones in your kids' lives. So just look at that. There's great resources, all that kind of stuff. That's just some more stuff to help get your brain going. So have a great morning in your small groups. Glad you're here, and we'll see you next week.